1: Hey now, welcome to another episode of Make Defense Great Again. My name is Chris or a.k.a. Coach Fast. Thank you so much for joining us. Today we are joined by Cody Alexander, who coaches at Midlothian High School out in Texas, the infamous author of the Match Quarters blog. I'm going to talk about RPOs at a 2x2 and 3x1 versus quarters coverage. We're going to go position by position and show you how Cody fits it up. And what he tells us, players. Weekly housekeeping items. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Coach Follow the show's account at MDGA Podcast. Head over to my website, www.coachfast.com, with Various links there. I'm doing one-on-one consulting. So you can message me for rates on the MDGA Podcast account. If you follow me, I'll follow you back. And we can discuss that. I've had some guys reach out and it's been really fun to do. Also, be on the lookout for the Glacier presentations that I did this past weekend. You're going to be launching them on CoachTube in the next few days. I will send out a message and an announcement when those are up and ready to go. And also, shout out to Glacier for having me at San Francisco this past weekend. It was a really awesome experience. had a great time, got the pinch hit the night before my uh, actual presentation in it was uh, it happened really fast, but it was a lot of fun, and and I really just enjoyed getting to see everybody and getting to talk some football. Lastly, the GoFundMe account for my mom's end-of-life expenses is still up. If you'd like to contribute, you can go to www.gofundme.com slash Veronica Vassar. That's V-E-R-O-N-I-C-A, V-A-S-S-E-U-R. Okay, enjoy the show. to it, man. My guest today is Cody Alexander, DB coach from Midlothian High School and the author of the Match Quarters blog. Welcome, coach. Hey now. Thank you. Glad to be on. For those listeners that have been living under a rock or have do not have Twitter or have not gone on the interwebs in a long time, give them a uh, brief background on, on where you come from and how you got there. How you got to where you are today.
0: Yeah, um, I write a uh a website called MatchQuarters.com. i've written 3 books about defense uh my got my start as a defensive grad assistant at baylor university with uh, art Bryles and phil bennett so my the basis of my system kind of comes from that bennett system that i learned uh and then obviously defending art Bryles every day i'm a Texas high school football coach so we and i'm i'm in the big class as well so we see you know good good offenses and good quarterback play And so it's kind of the evolution of of my coaching career. I kind of just throw it out there on the internet. And then obviously with my books, try and help coaches out with uh, defense.
1: Awesome stuff. For those of you who have not seen his website, go check it out. And, And, you know, Cody does not just write about match quarters. He's got a ton of great information. It's one of the best resources out there on the internet. So. Go uh, make sure you check that out. So today's podcast is going to be a defense of two high safeties in the year 2020. Cody and I are one of the last bastion of people who still believe that this is something that can be done on uh, on a down-to-down basis. And, And I'm obviously exaggerating. There are a lot of teams that do this. We're not the only ones, but... I feel that every time I get into one of these discussions, it's like, well, you can't do it anymore. And so somebody like yourself, who's made a name and, and really staked a claim with the with playing too high, naming your blog Match Quarters. Um, you know, I thought it would be interesting to bring you on and kind of hear your perspective on, on how you defend the most seen sets. So we're going to kind of go through each, you know, formation shell, two by two, three by one. We're going to try and talk some why off here and how it fits in the coverage. So the first thing I want to get into is we're going to talk about gun strong two by two. So let's say we're on the defensive right hash, the back is to the left two by two. Most people are going to get either zone read where they're reading the end, blocking down and run bubble, so the horizontal RPO, and then and or some sort of vertical RPO where they're going to run zone lock, they're going to block out on the end, they're going to read the second level defender and throw, we're going to say for the sake of this talk, slants. So let's go through that first, and we're going to talk about this in quarters and in two read. So, so Cody, let's start. Two by two, zone read, gun strong in quarters. How would you fit that up?
0: Well, I you know I was lucky enough to hear Dave Aranda speak this weekend, and he said something that kind of stuck with me, and I think that it's true, and it fits with the quarters philosophy. Because if you if you follow Aranda, Aranda's a big quarters guy. Uh, he's either running quarters or he's running cover one. I mean that's the basis. If he's running cover three, it's usually with a fire zone, which is kind of typical for everybody. But he made a comment. He said. Like eight I think when they were breaking down Clemson and Clemson's a huge RPO team they have been forever it's part of that Morris that Morris system Clemson system but I think it was like 75 80 percent of Rpos were to the back and then he then he kind of went on and said you know throughout the season what they were seeing was again 70 to 80 percent of all Rpos are to the back he said away from the back any kind of like what I call a flop read anything away from the back where they're reading the backside defender most of those are like what I call a hitch read uh, and it's a or a leverage read, and they're just reading your leverage. And so, to me, you if you know that, then you want to buy alignment, kill any kind of RPO that they might have. And so, for me, he, like he said, the gift is on the boundary side, like it's there, it's on a most most of the offenses run on a hash. And so, if you're going to set the back to the field and you got your three to the field. Back to the weak side they're just reading leverage are you tucking the wheel linebacker inside the box even though you're trying to run quarters or are you widening them out too much and they're just going to run they're going to run the ball and they're reading your leverage so he called those gift rpos on the back side i kind of i kind of like that philosophy it's kind of the way that i see it so if i two by two for me is all about eliminating leverage if i'm in a four down i'm setting the three to the field 100 of the time i don't really care where the back is if they want to run to the boundary uh, let them run into the boundary. If they want to run an RPO into the boundary again, let them run it into the boundary. It's less space. I've already constricted them. I mean, it's named the name of the spread is spread for a reason. They're trying to find space. So I want to force them to be left handed. You know, I think too, when you set the three to the field, you're allowing your nickel or your sand linebacker to get a full cover down on that slot. And just by proximity, you're killing any kind of you know most offenses. They're reading that slot and they're saying they're they're like okay, where is the overhang? Is he apex? Is he hugging the box? You know what are they trying trying to do? And I think by allowing yourself a full cover down, even in a three down, being able to manipulate the front to free up the overhang to the back so that he can fully cover down, you're going to eliminate a lot of those RPOs. I think the other part of it is the coverage piece to it. You know, how are they running their bubbles? Are they doing it from a wide split? Are they trying to get that guy into space? Are they trying to get you into quarters? Or are they trying to get you into what we're seeing more often now is a bubble phase? And they're reading whether you're in cover two or in quarters. And if you're in cover two, they're going to stretch you out. And if you don't get out of cover two, they're going to throw the phase. And so for me, I want to go off the split rules. My kids don't, my kids understand, like we rep it every day. Uh, split rules it, it, how wide are the receivers if the receivers are wide we're going to play quarters if the receivers are close we're going to play our two read stuff and to to inhibit again to allow us to help with that with that bubble and that zone read
1: now one thing for the listeners i'm going to interject here one thing that we started doing at the end of the year is that we started breaking down two by two not just gun strong and gun weak but, well, let me, let me back up. So we would do, gun strong would be if the back was to the field. In the middle of the field, if the back was to the left, we called that gun strong defense to the left. And if the back was to the right, we called it gun weak because we're going to set our personnel middle of the field. We're going to do the left. We used to say QB's arm strength until I faced a lefty and had to change everything for a week. And that lasted about half a practice. And I snapped and said, we're going back. So what I started doing was is I started taking out I started combining um, gun strong and gun weak in the middle of the field for the purposes of tendencies. Then I did gun strong on a hash and gun weak on a hash. So coaches, if you're breaking down doing a hit chart, I encourage you to If you're calling gun week like I am middle of the field, just that back is to your will instead of your Sam or your nickel or whatever you want to call it, break it down differently. Because what happens is it dilutes your data. So you look at gun week two by two, I call it double twins. Some people call it dolphin or doubles, whatever. But if you do gun week two by two and you lump in middle of the field and on a hash for your hit chart, it's going to dilute the data. So my advice: do three hit charts now, or if you're gonna take just two by two, one gun back to the field, two by two on a hash, middle of the field, gun could be either side, and then gun weak into the boundary on a hash. So that's my kind of PSA for the day, and something that really you really started to drill down when you when you took all that into account, what offenses are really trying to do. And it would change our calls. Uh, you know, we're a split se- we're a split safety team, and it would change our calls depending on because we'd see teams that would only run certain RPOs to the field, like they wouldn't run the zone bubble um in the middle of the field, they would run something else. They'd run the fade and the five yard out or whatever. So just a just a kind of a thing that I would interject there. Now, my question to you is with the nickel, how far are you playing that guy, that Sam, that nickel inside of number two, if he's got a normal split?
0: Um, if he's right on the hash or near the hash, then we're going to play inside leverage probably no more than a yard to two yards. If they're trying to run, and we'll get to this, if they're trying to run the slant RPO stuff, maybe give them a little bit more of an inside leverage. But if he's running a bubble, we want to make that proximity to the point where that, that quarterback's really got to think about, do I really want to really throw that bubble out there or even a snag or anything, any kind of RPO to the slot, do I really want to throw that out there? Um, One thing that I've been toying around with now is that if they try and go wide splits, we're going to check into quarters, but we're getting so many outbreaks. We're still getting the outbreak. You know, they're bringing that slot in to run out. And so what we're doing is we're leveraging the inside with the slot. And then I'm telling that safety to just stay on the hash and kind of keep an outside leverage, knowing that if he does go vertical, you know right now that he's going to run probably from that inside that he's probably going to run a corner because he's trying to trying to get some space for himself. And so giving him that outside leverage kind of playing with that, that was a little tweak that we, we started um, last year. And it, it's, it's been pretty good for us.
1: Interesting. We, um, what we did in that situation is we basically played like the old robber, Virginia Tech TC robber in a sense, like our, our uh, safety rules, we always tell them is when they get tight, we get wide. When they get wide, we get tight. And so, we would basically, we'd bring the free safety in more and have the down safety out. But I guess it's one of those things that, like, I like what you're saying. If they come in a little bit, like he's trying to buy room to run the corner, I like what you're doing. Almost like if you're familiar with the Saban man match cover seven stuff, it's like switch. Because you know the corner route's coming, so your deep safety's outside leverage. However, if they push really far inside, that's when we would... We, we would just check, and our kids know the, the rules are built in. Quarters goes to robber, inverted halves. If two gets a real reduced split, same with palms, which we hadn't got to yet. But palms, if if one and two get too far apart and that safety can't get out there, like you were saying, then that's useless. Yeah. Or you got to go to a, a true two trap where you're telling that deep safety, you have the fade. You are getting over the top. Right, yeah, you got to go now, yeah. Now let's talk about your perimeter fit. So when you're you're talking, you know, let's say stock and bubble or fade and bubble, the corner's going to stay on the fade or the stock, are you having your nickel, is your nickel, I'm going to just call him a nickel, nickel Sam, is he going to be in, is he playing in the fit or out of the fit for you?
0: So anytime the back is to you, um or anytime like if if I'm in four down, we're gonna set the three to the field, no matter what so even if even if they set um the running back into the boundary, like we can play games with the line if we feel like we're getting something, if we wanna for whatever reason push the wheel out um normally playing a heavy five so we're closing the b gap anyway, uh so we can kind of hang that hip again, you're right, you're forcing them to run a bubble into the boundary uh' a lot of guys don't wanna to do um which will probably because of the proximity of the receiver will probably be in our in two read anyway. Uh, so it kind of plays into what we're trying to do. Uh, but for me, like the, the Sam, if he gets it, or the nickel, if he gets a push by the bubble, I mean, he's looking at the mesh right now. You know, most quarterbacks are right-handed and, you know, most, most offenses are right-handed too. And so like, if you're sitting, if they're, if you're sitting on the right defensive right hash, and they've got the back to they got the, back to the defensive left, You know that, that right-handed quarterback's got to flip his shoulders all the way across because a bubble is a negative route. I call it a negative route, meaning it's behind the line of scrimmage. And so for us, we want negative routes. We want you to throw a negative route. We want you to throw a route behind the line of scrimmage because, one, it's a harder throw, I think, for quarterbacks. Um, and, and, two, he's got the timing of it. Even if you're in the zone read, he's got to flip his shoulders all the way around. And so for me, I call it a window read like you just have to get in the window you don't have to necessarily push with him right now like man-to-man like oh i'm getting a bubble i need to push it's more of a zone over just kind of pop 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 on your feet and as i'm moving over that safety is going to be mirroring it as well and they're reading they're really reading that uh quarterback and i think the key is because what you're going to get on the complement of this is you're going to get the bubble post or you're going to get the outpost and having be allowing that safety to sit high as long as possible and be able to see that mesh read and see that quarterback and see the intentions of his shoulders and being able to, Oh, this is an out route. Oh, the quarterback's shoulders are still pointed downfield Like I'm going to snap my eyes now to one, and I'm going to, you know, I'm kind of going to robot underneath of that post and and assist with that corner. So for me, and I know we're talking, we're talking RPOs, but you got to talk about the compliment stuff because that's, to me, that's the scariest part. Is if they're going to throw a bubble, throw a bubble, throw a bubble, then they're going to throw the bubble fade. And so right. you got to be prepared for that, and you got to make your kids understand. Like, look, you know, we we started seeing the bubble post, you know, trying to bend that thing back in. We saw the bubble sit this year. Um, so again, trying to get the kids to understand, like your leverage is everything. So we kind of want to have that triangle over those two receivers and really force that quarterback to throw the negative route if he's going to throw it out there.
1: Right. Now, when you say we're gonna go two read to the field, really your only change is the corner's now gonna play the bubble, the deep safety's gonna play over the top, you know. And you could really say right. the same thing for cover two. Now my question to you is, do you move your nickel in more? Or do you leave yeah, him still he he, yeah. come in or still a yard inside? I mean, I'd like he can he can take
0: a he can take a step towards the box. Um he doesn't necessarily he basically just has to hold the seam window i'm more concerned with the seam slant or the the dagger route the dig, the dig seam out of, out of play action i'm not going to be worried necessarily about the bubble he just has to basically sit in that seam window um, and, and really read the read the mesh since he's not in the fit he just has to go once the quarterback if, if the quarterback pulls it or once the quarterback goes cuz even in that zone You know he's not going to make that play on the opposite B gap. He's going to be more or less if that thing bounces front, it cuts back all the way front door because your DN doesn't hold his his, uh, edge. So for me, it's just sit. You're more or less like kind of uh, like a you're just buzzing your feet. You're you're, maybe get a little bit of maybe get a little bit of depth, six seven yards after the snap of the ball. But I'm I'm reading the mesh and I'm just kind of sitting in that seam window waiting for something to come back in.
1: Gotcha. Now, this is the most used set, in my opinion, you know, whether you're playing, you know, skipping ahead a little bit to three by one, or you're playing three by one, or, or or if you're playing one high or two high out of three by one, it kind of fits the same. I mean, the difference between cover six and, you know, which is, you know, 3D weak side rotation zone, that's what I call it. I mean, there's no universal terms of football. And stump, which is the off corner variation of the stubby, the mini, the lock, the special coverage, where you have corner on one and you're basically playing for basically palms over two and three. I mean, it's a little bit more intricate than that, but just for conversation purposes, you know, if you're playing that Megan cone on the backside or you're dropping that guy down in cover six, it fits. I mean, when I taught it, it fits pretty much the same. You know, you're going to put your overhang to the trips out of the fit. The mic's going to stay in the end. We'll get to that a little bit. So there's not really that much of an argument against five or six in the box and that sort of thing, unless you truly get into like a three buzz situation where you you minus both linebackers and you're bringing that strong safety down. But the argument becomes where people talk about five versus six in the box and two by two. To me, I don't see a difference in. Playing five in the box and spiking the end if you get a base block and ripping him inside and having your backer replace or leaving the end outside and bringing your will in the box. I mean, there are some differences in certain leverages for those flop throws as you called it. The RPOs away, but in terms of yep. just fitting, and that's where. And I'm gonna get back on my soapbox a little bit. Earlier was my PSA. This is my this is my soapbox. If you will allow me, it, it's all bullshit. It doesn't matter like as long as you have the gaps accounted for the the argument between this high and that high and 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 I know I'm kind of going against because the whole purpose of this talk was to play too high versus the RPOs. But I think there's there's too much made out of it. I don't see a difference between tucking a will in a B gap and keeping the end outside and having the will flow into the B gap or the end spike inside and the will away from the back play the C gap. All it is, is is an exchange. And I think I right. I and I think it's because us defensive coaches, we don't have a lot to argue about. Like we don't argue about scheme a lot. Well, like one high is better than two high because I think everybody does a little bit of everything now. Um, but I think we get into some of these discussions and I know that you've been in them. I've been in them. Most of my friends have we play the semantics and I think sometimes too much is made of it. I don't know how you feel about that.
0: Yeah, I just think that in a, I think in the, if you're a single high coach, you tend to live in more of a black and white world. And what I mean by that is that you pretty much are single gap fitting everything. There's not going to be a lot of what I call a fluid front, meaning that you're not going to ask the G when the center steps down to go close the opposite A. No, you're going to have them hold the A gap because you're gapped out inside. Um, And I think, you know, the whole deal of like people think like these fluid fronts are like voodoo magic. Like it's just something that we make up and it's it's not really it's it's not even like a two gap scheme, like the Jimmy Pony stuff that Sabin talks about or that they they use to kind of manipulate their two gap stuff. But it, all it is, is it's the same technique of, you know, your fore eye and your tight front of reading the guard. The guard steps down, you close the B you know, but, but you can keep going and it helps that, it helps that outside backer or that inside backer to be able to rock back. Um, and it's not even the, the, you know, the take the dive and then he's scraping back over a top. It's not that, it's not that kind of a snap, what you know, that snap gap exchange. It's a true, what I call a belly key of I'm, I'm, I'm an inside backer. I've got, I've got a gap and I'm going to step in my six inch steps to that gap. If it's zone So the center is moving towards my gap. I know that that G or that nose is going to close the opposite A gap. If he doesn't make it there, I keep going to my gap. But I think we get into the problem in in the 4 eye world. I mean, in the four, sorry. I think we get in a problem in the two-high world when guys are looking at it as like you have to single gap from a two-high. And I don't think that that's necessarily the truth. I think, and it's not even stealing gaps. It's just, look, how many times, and we've all been defensive coaches, how many times did we tell that that G to hold the A gap in zone and he just gets washed? Well, why not just kind of let him get washed down the line, cut the opposite A gap, and let that, you know, keep that center from um, climbing up to the mic and have that mic rock back. I think, too, you know, I've talked to several coaches. I mean, I've talked to guys that have been at the college level, and they're like, they're just now getting to the point where it's like, look we're single gap and yeah, but you've got the a gap, but man, if that a gap ain't there, follow the ball, rock back, you know, and I'm like, dude, that's a belly key. You know, that's a day one install for me. When, you know, back in 2011 when we were, you know, installing this defensive ailer. So yeah. I think it's, it's more fluid in a, in a, in a too high system. And I still have yet to find a, a, a big time coach tell me that with the quarterback's going to run the ball, which that's part of an RPO as part of the regame game that, to not be out of, not be in a too high. Cause you, you can, you can, you know, quote unquote, steal a guy. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. And, um, one of the interesting things that kind of crystallizes thinking to me is, you know, um, last year when I got to know Patrick Tony and Ron Roberts, I went down there and they showed me what Zach Dunn has been posting on Twitter, the fill and fold scheme. And as much as I love you guys and I want to provide the best information to the audience, some of the relationships that I have preclude me from being like, Hey guys, here's something cool. I learned that these people told me not to talk about, you know? And so now that they're doing it more and it's out there, I mean, you can see it on the film, you can see people talking about it. You know, I'll, I'll I'll talk about it, I'll discuss it. But what the interesting thing for me is. The whole concept of fill and fold, for those of you who haven't seen it, is basically you're in double threes. The three technique to the back is going to pin into a four eye. And because the double threes, the center is going to chip. The backers are basically in 20s, two backers in 20s. And the center is basically going to go to the three technique away from the back and then climb to the will. And when he does that, the mic is supposed to basically just blitz off his butt. And then the wheel is going to scrape back to the side of the back. It's almost, it turns into like a reed blitz almost. The mic's going to go right. and then the wheel's going to fold. That's why it's called fill and fold. And, and it's funny because I had an epiphany because if you're in this static world where things don't move, you would say, well, you know, you need to have all those guys for all those gaps. But if the center steps to the three and I come off his butt, I've just taken both A gaps. You know, I, right. I I've in the back, no back is gonna no back worth of shit running zone is gonna be like, oh, here comes a screaming like linebacker. Let me try and squeeze it in the other quote unquote A gap. Hell no. They're gonna try right. and cut the thing back or push it out the front. If you can push it out the front side and the back is good and he times it, it's a TFL. So he's gotta cut it back. So, you know, it's funny, you're you're with your alignment, you're basically baiting them, but you really you're having the Mike two gap, and I think that when that stuff starts moving, and at first, you know, what I'm from the Jimmy Johnson four three world. Like I learned football at the University of Miami, and that was Randy Shannon was the defensive coordinator there, who was on all those national championship teams as a player and just, and, a, and a coach. So when I learned the tight front stuff, the mint stuff, it was it was blew my mind. But it's true. I mean, you're just kind of hanging out and fitting where needed, and I think that some of that stuff is it just gets overplayed and it's just like I tell my kids when we line up blitz versus can like hey listen those gaps are going to move especially if you're bringing like that line concept off the edge where the end's coming up field they have a hard time on cans because it it changes when it's when the the tackle actually moves and to that point oh I don't know what that was but to that point um you know those gaps move and those guys have to fit that stuff so I totally, I totally understand with what you're saying, and I, and I 100% agree. Um, now, let me ask you this: back to quarters. Now let's talk two by two zone lock. So you got your three to the field. Um, you know they're blocking out, blocking out on the three, blocking out on the five. They're reading the second level defender. The mic has got the a gap. Um, how are you going to fit if you get zone locked to the boundary with slants coming to the field, coming from the field?
0: So again, it goes back to leverage um, and now that Sam linebacker being inside enough, not head up, but just a, a cover down kind of shoulder tip to shoulder tip. If he feels like we're getting more slants, kind of cheating inside a little bit and really just sitting in that slant hole, you know, that let making that. You know, to me, the RPO slants, the only time you'll ever hear an offensive coordinator tell them to throw the slant to the number two. Yeah. They don't want to throw the slant to the number two. And I think, too, as defensive coaches, we kind of have to change our philosophy versus the, the two slant look because that's what we're really getting in that a lot of times now in the RPO is, you know, you used to tell that same linebacker, man, cut one. Go cut one right now. Well, the moment you go cut one, they're throwing it now to number two because they've got to play action to hold the mic. And I think nowadays you've got to change the way that you're doing it. And you just got to tell that nickel, man, you're like a you're like a rock, man. You don't let it you're you're kind of like the dam. You don't let any of that anything come back inside unless you get pushed outside. Uh and so if you're getting a run read, man, you are holding your water right there and you're kind of keeping an eye in your peripheral of number two. If he's breaking inside, then I'm I'm cutting that thing. I'm cutting that thing off. And, you know, it's like I tell my guys all the time, I tell my safeties especially, look, the corner signed up for what he's doing. He signed up to play one-on-one with that receiver. I mean, I'm, a, I'm an old corner. I mean, I played corner my entire life. I mean, I signed up to go one-on-one with the, with the receiver. And so for me, especially playing quarters to the field, like I tell my corners all the time, man, that's what you signed up for. So if you're, they're going to run a slant, then we got to be on top of that slant. That's why I'm going to getting a little bit of head to the to the to read stuff. I'm a little bit of a unicorn. I'll play inside leverage with cover too. Um, and the reason why I do that is because the moment you go outside leverage, you're getting slants. And I think more and more that the in, in breaking is a higher percentage throw. I mean, ask any any kind of uh of office coordinator, what's a higher percentage throw, an inbreaking route or an outbreaking route? They're all going to say in-breaking route. I mean, there's no difference. If you're going to throw a post or a fade, which one's a higher percentage? I mean, the post is astronomically higher percentage than a fade route. And so for me, it's, look, I don't care what you're going to do, but we're going to make it next to impossible for you to just get free access to areas on the field where you think you're going to be able to get that. And I think by by aligning lining like that, and having that corner playing a little bit more of a man technique, even in your in your two read stuff, I think can help you on that the slants coming back inside.
1: No, I totally agree. You know, and you made an interesting point about the throw. Um, you know, being such an easy thing now, and um, I, I was looking for this um, unicorn last year of a way to play too high and set the three away from the back and chase the dive. And, you know, and they figured something out, but it's still, it's good. But, you know, my point, the next point I'm about to make kind of backed off of it, which, you know, three, four years ago, you know, when you, when you were seeing just like the bubble or maybe even farther back than the RPOs have been prevalent, but when you were seeing just the horizontal RPOs, the zone read bubbles, stuff like that, um, you know, I used to, we used to say, well, let's make the quarterback work for it instead of just handing off the ball, let's make him pull it, run down the line, throw the bubble and all that stuff, but now these guys have gotten so good, and these throws are so much easier, and now that they're going down the field, you know, I, I know I'm <laughs> I'm in the minority in this, and I, I spoke at Glaser this weekend, and I, and I said this, and I got some weird looks, but... I don't think you can say to your defense, well, we're going to play RPO defense like triple option. In the sense that, you know, yeah, give your guys rules. But, you know, when you play triple option, you layer your defense. But everything was behind Uh the line of scrimmage. You had your dive, your quarterback, your pitch. And you had a guy that was quarterback outside to pitch that extra guy in the fit somewhere. Well, now they're running the ball and throwing the ball down the field. And so you have to layer your defense differently. And I got to the point This year where I'm like You know what I'm not going to chase the dive anymore Let him hand it off let him run You know instead of you know these guys have these These flop reads like you said They're they got the run they got Sometimes they can pull it sometimes it's a Lock where they're reading the second level defender and they're Throwing the ball you know I'm having to defend Four plays Just hand the ball off got to defend one play now And then just rally to it I think that's where There's real power and I know We're talking even front split safety but the Iowa State stuff because these guys can't. You know, I was talking to some offensive coaches this weekend, and it's like they can't help themselves. They see that three-one box, and they're just like, "Oh, I gotta do it," and then just all hell breaks loose. And I think really that's the best way to defend that stuff is to is to do what we're talking about and and know where the back is and doing certain things where you can get those guys to converge, and and making them hand the ball off, and then just swarming to it rather than. You know, worrying about all of this other stuff. And, you know, I played a game this year where, you know, it was a little different. They were a pistol team, but they, uh, we ran Saban's Eagle Blitz, what Patterson calls pinch double smoke. So you're pinching the line, bringing a guy off each edge. We had two guys in the backfield and they had an amazing X receiver and we were pressed. And the quarterback pulls it and throws a glance and because the guy's so good and our guy's all over him. He still catches it and gets 12 yards. And I'm laughing. I just started laughing in the headset because it was a beautiful throw. Beautiful, there's literally nothing we could have done. And, you know, five years ago, that play doesn't exist. And that's a TFL. Wow. And these guys have gotten so good at this stuff where sometimes it's like, you know, let them hand the ball off and then just try to get penetration and, and create chaos. And so it's kind of changed. A lot of these downfield throws have kind of changed how I think about defending. So um, I don't know if you feel that way or not.
0: Hundred percent. I mean, you look at you know, you look at the NFL, and I, and I know you know a lot of guys are high school coaches are like, "What oh, is the NFL? I got to deal with it." Well, look at the NFL nowadays and these young quarterbacks—they actually want you to pressure them. I mean, look—I think Mahomes. I heard a stat one time on Mahomes and pressure. I mean, it was like his completion rate is is unreal against pressure, and I think a lot of that is because of the way. You, you, you know, we, we used to pressure these read, these read offenses of like, well, I'm just going to send and make the quarterback decide now, you know, make them throw the ball. Well, I agree with you now because we're starting to get more vertical routes, the slants, the snags, the, the pop, the pop, the, even, I mean, hell, even a slot fade, um, I think what you're seeing now, and, and I wrote about this in Cautious Aggression. So my very first book I wrote back in 2016, you know, the whole point of defending the RPO was to force the run. It was never to force the pass. And that's one of the things that I've always carried with me um, and learned that from from defending Bryles on a daily basis. That was one thing that Bennett said. Bennett was like, man, we're making them hand the ball off. Because I think we're to the point now where analytically, I think everybody agrees passing is more efficient than running the ball. And so uh, these offensive guys, they want to pass the ball. They want you to give them free access somewhere and they're going to attack it. And like you said, you sent a blitz that five, three, five years ago would have been a tackle for loss, but because now they, that quarterback identifies, Oh, I've got pressure. I'm throwing the glance, you know, and nowadays every, every run, and we see it too. I mean, we see it every week. Every run has some sort of route combination attached to it. They're running a route. And all they're doing is they are looking for you for to, to to one time not to cover down somewhere, not to, not, to, not to do something, or creep up and try and press the box because you're so afraid to run. And to me, it's, I'm, I'm in the same boat. And like I said, I wrote it back in 2016 in cost regression. Is by leverage alone take away everything that they can pre-snap to throw the ball. And by doing that, you're forcing him to run the ball. And once you force him to run the ball, now you now you have limited the efficiency of that offense. I think for me, that's what quarters gives you more than the single high. You know, Find me an offensive coordinator that doesn't want to see cover three. I have yet to find one. Everybody wants to see cover three. They want you to run your rip They want you to run your cover one because they're going to find the one-on-one that they can win and they're going to do it. I mean, I'll never forget. The moment that Art Briles, and I wrote about this multiple times, the moment Art Briles added his tight end into his, into his formations and started running more two back, and everybody started spending the single high, all that slot choice, everything that everybody's doing now with all the deep choice stuff and the backside choice and all that stuff, dude, Art Briles, he basically invented that in, in, in the early 2010s by just putting a tight end in. They never even threw the tight end. But by just putting them in there, you're trying to you freak out because you got to stop the run, right. and so you sink a guy. And now they're just finding the open space, or they're finding the one on one that they know they can win. And so for me, I'm a hundred percent with you. Make them run the ball because somebody's going to get impatient. They're going to try to throw it, and then you're sitting there waiting for the ball.
1: No, I totally, I totally agree, and I um, I just think that. As coaches, if you're starting to see this stuff, if you're starting to see the RPOs, there's some places where they don't get it, but I I, I think that you need to weaponize the knowledge and, you know, be ready for stuff just because you don't think you're going to see it or you haven't seen it. I mean, a lot of people are doing this stuff, and so I think it would behoove you to learn it and um, and um and work on it from there, so... Okay, Coach, let's talk about gun week two-by-two back, and this is strictly into the boundary, not the middle of the field. So let's talk about two plays. Let's talk about zone read with two just running a stick route and turning around, and then let's talk about zone lock with a fade and a five-yard out. So first, um, let's talk zone read stick.
0: So the big thing against four-down team, especially one that has a field call, is that you're going to now attack the, the Will who's got to fold in. And I think that's where playing a heavy five really helps you out. And you can bait this. And we, we had a rip call where the Will would notice that the two was kind of cheating out further towards the numbers. And if he needed to apex himself instead of hip, if he needed to plus his alignment out towards the slot, he would give a rip call. And basically that D end would move into a four. So he would go from a heavy five to a four, knowing that he's going to now I've got to make it to the B gap. I'm not reading it anymore. And we gave the will leeway because it doesn't matter. We talked, you know, we talked about it earlier. It doesn't matter. The gaps are now canceled. You still have the same gaps and it's no different than in your, in your three, four um, if you're not running mint. Uh, which to me meant a four down anyway, but if you're running like a true, like a, a tight package or what I call an Oki, a five, a, 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 a shade and a, and a four eye or a three is leaving that outside linebacker, you know, now with a three eye, you don't have to do anything, you know, in, in your three down stuff, but the four eyes where you're going to get that, especially when you field call it and being allowing that wheel linebacker to give a rip call and just sit. Like I talked about the same linebacker of just, I've got to find a way to not be in the fit, and the way to not be in the fit is to is to tell is to tell that DN to go ahead and rip into the B gap. So it, we would do that if we knew that we couldn't. Maybe, let's say they have a great left tackle, um, or they're running a lot. Maybe you know, maybe they're you know, we don't feel like uh, they're kind of what I call the squat and punch, where they kind of squat and punch. He doesn't turn his shoulders, and then he then he lifts up to the will linebacker to kind of feel that edge. And kind of give the room because we ran into that uh, a couple of years ago with a team that had this big, massive six, seven, three hundred pound tackle, and we couldn't rip in. So we started, hey, give him a rip call, get in the four, rip inside, let him wash you down. It doesn't matter that will linebacker is going to be right there, and if they play it right, the mic can rock back all the way. And I think, I think being able to sit him in that area make that quarterback hesitate because what they're looking for is that fold, that that movement back towards the box. Once you move back towards the box. You're gonna you're gonna get that that snag route.
1: Gotcha. Now, do you ever set your three to the back so the fits would stay the same as they would if the back was to the field? Do you ever do anything like that? Um, no, not no, normally.
0: I like, w the way to do it too is I'm a big believer in po- uh, post snap line movement. Um. You know, that was one of the things I take away from learning under Bennett was, you know, manipulating the the gaps post-snap uh, and being able to make them think that you're going to get the – the and that's why I think it, running a G defense is much better than running a shade def, uh, shade versus zone. Um, is it the the use of line movement now? Is now that you've got a two-eye, he can really heavy up, almost get head up, and now he's he's slanting to the B. I think, you know, the old old-school term for that is a blood. You know, taking the three to a, a G and the, and the G to a three, and so you can do that. And now it takes the will out of the fit. That quarterback's thinking that he's going to fold in or he's going to work towards the box. And the next thing you know, he's pulling it up. and that will doesn't move, and he panics, and he either misses the, he either misses the handoff or he throws it right to the will linebacker because that's happened before too, um, by just manipulating that because making that Sam now into the fit and letting him kind of apex again because. Again, not a lot of high school teams, not a lot of even college teams are doing flop I mean, it's very specific. Um, so, and a lot of times it's a play action. They know they're going to get it. I know at, uh, at Baylor, if they knew you, that you would set the three to the back, they'd go FIB like you talked about, put the three into the boundary, and then they would just play action it. And he would just pop, throw the slant right right behind the Sam as he's folding into them into the gap.
1: Now we're talking zone lock fade with the five yard out. How would you defend that?
0: You know, most of the time in the boundary, we're going to play some sort of two read. Uh, you don't see why it splits into the boundary unless the ball's like hugging the hash. Um, you know, we define formation into the boundary in two by two as the tackle is on the hash and the back is, is towards the that tackle to the hash. So we'll, we usually will, Will determine that as FIB. So the kids already know, like, okay, tackles on a hash and those formations in the boundary. So if the receivers are tight, we're probably going to run some sort of uh, a two read scheme. Um, and so, yeah, I, you know, I'm, the two reads, especially in the boundary, kind of going back to the field, is that now that that linebacker, that overhang, he doesn't have to move. He's just, he's walling anything that comes in. He didn't care about anything that goes out. So when you get that fade out, you know, I, that safety just has to anticipate. That hey, I just gotta make sure I'm I'm good on the fade route. Um, you know, if it's a bubble, it doesn't matter either. I gotta make sure it's not a stock and go or because uh, we get we get the bubble fade too. You know, get that safety looking into the backfield, not paying attention. Um, that's happened before too. So for me, it's it's understanding coverage. Now I've got cover two. I'm secondary support as a safety. I don't have to be. I don't have to fit anything. I just gotta make sure that I'm over top of everything. Really reading, really reading mesh to two. It, if I get any kind of outstep now, man, I'm, I'm, I'm floating. I'm floating to one, uh, cutting that off. You know, the one thing that we got, and I think that people need to be ready for, it, is the the curl bubble. Instead of running the fade out, we had, I have good safeties, and they knew we were good, and we knew they knew we were good at reading it. And so, what we what we would do is we would squat the corner, and not be so aggressive. So like you said, if you're getting a lot of zone lock with the fade out, they're not trying to throw the out route. They don't want to throw the out route. They want to throw a fade. And, or what they want to do is throw the, the curl. And so we were starting to get the 10 yard stick route that, that corner's hammering it, that safety's hauling, you know, hauling ass over top of number one. And they would just sit down underneath the, the safety. Um, and so what we started doing was playing some squat technique with the corner. And I was like, look, they're running... You can tell, too, because they want to run an arrow. It's almost like a curl flat. They want to run an arrow because they really want to trigger that corner fast. They don't want that They don't want that kind of that five... You know, what we consider that speed out, that five-yard out. They don't want that because they want that corner. They want that corner to, to, to jerk down and trap down. You know, to me, the, the five-yard speed out is they want you. They want to wall that corner with the fade and kind of wall his vision because a lot of people play through read with outside leverage. They want to wall that and throw that. So, again understanding where routes break you know we're getting an arrow it's a three yard it's a three to two yard out i know i'm just gonna i'm just gonna keep sinking i'm gonna squat right at five seven yards and make that quarterback hesitate and we we actually got a sack off of that this year you know first quarter we're getting hit with this curl And uh, in the first drive, and I said, screw it, we're squatting it. And the kids started doing it, and then it took it away, and they never came – you know, we got a couple – I think we got a sack out of it, scramble out of it, and incomplete, and they just – they quit doing it. So being able to to react and have that in your language and allowing that outside linebacker to sit in a slant window, and then you can manipulate it with the the two DBs.
1: Right. That makes perfect sense. All right, Coach, well – Uh, After the break, we're going to get into 3x1 fits, Gun Strong, Gun Week, and then later on, we'll do some why-off stuff. We'll be back right after this.
0: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
1: We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We all think of Huddle as an analysis tool, but there are so many more opportunities for efficiency as coaches. Beyond great analysis tools, you can have hands-free capture, automated stat breakdown, and engage your fans in even more ways through live streaming. Huddle is for everyone, whether that's the athlete, the coach, or even the fans. Huddle's athletic department package is the single solution to power your entire program. Go check out huddle.com slash coach Vass to learn how huddle can elevate your program. Again, that's huddle.com slash coach Vass. Welcome back to season two, episode four with Cody Alexander. We're talking split safety coverage versus the RPO. Let's get into the dreaded three by one gun strong stuff. So we're saying that the offense is on the defensive right hash. The back is to the left The trips is to the left single side to the right. The first um, play we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about reading the end, reading the first level defender, running zone read bubble. Now, the two coverages that we're going to talk about and how it fits up on the perimeter is stump, which we had talked about earlier, and Cody's uh, stress coverage. And actually, before we get into how we fit those plays up, Cody, can you give us a brief overview of the stress coverage for those who have not heard about it? Right.
0: So stress is kind of unique to what I do. I learned it. I learned it from Phil Bennett. In fact, uh, Phil Bennett's one that invented it um, when he was at LSU as a divas coordinator uh, back in the day. Um, and it was designed for this purpose. They're getting trips, quads, we called it, with the, with the back to the, to the trip slide but they needed a a way to put two on the X receiver. They needed a way to have a guy over there. Um, And so what it does, and in the most rudimentary sense, is that you basically have taken mod quarters, so off quarters, and you've stretched it over three receivers. And so what you've done is the corner is responsible for one. He's going to assist with the Sam who is inside leverage forcing number two out to the corner where the corner is going to play mod over one, but he's going to lean on two. And then the same linebacker has all of two up and out. And then you're bracketing the number three receiver with the mic underneath and the safety over top. So you're capping the interior Linebacker. So the one that they're reading usually in your uh, four strong in that trips with the gun near, that's who they're reading. So you're allowing him. He doesn't have to take three back. He doesn't have three up is up. He doesn't, you know, in your t- typical cover three. So he doesn't have to take three. He just has to kill anything coming underneath. Uh, and even then he can pass it on to the will because he's got uh, he's got uh, load flow because he's got four to him. And so what stress does is it caps the mic. Sam's going to have assistance outside. And then what you're doing is you're forcing the quarterback to throw from the hash to the opposite, either the deep comeback or the deep fade. Um, The one beater for this is the, um, that teams try and get is the comeback bender. And so you've got to really, you've got to really, but, there's not very many high school quarterbacks that I know of and not very many uh, college quarterbacks that are going to throw the the 20 yard comeback all the way out on, on sideline. And so what you're doing is you're, you basically have told them, look, you can hit us on the sideline about 20, 25 yards deep, uh, but that's about it. And there's not a lot of guys that are going to throw that. So that's, that's basically what stress does.
1: Gotcha. So let's talk about stress first, how it would fit versus zone read bubble. Now for the purposes of the listeners who are hearing this, obviously they're not, they have no visual aids. What are, so is your mic, the guy walked out of the box? Is he the apex guy or is he the guy on number three? Yeah. So if we're going, if we're going four
0: down or even in, even in a three down, it doesn't matter. um, The mic is going to apex. Uh, three in a tackle. Um, and again, you, it goes back to what we talked about in a two-by-two. Two. If, if they're in Baylor splits and that number three is outside that hash, I, man, I got to get all the way the hell out there. You know, I'm telling that DN right now, hey, I'm giving him a rip call. I think you got to give your kids outs. Like, you got to give your kids answers. You can't just be like, well, kind of got to fold in if they zone lock it. Like, you got B-gap, you know, sorry, buddy, you know. I think you gotta you gotta give kids answers, like, and you gotta create answers for yourself. So again, hey, man, I'm getting all the way out here. Go ahead and rip. And and all that is is all these guys are run mint and stuff. That's what you're doing. You're running mint from a four down though. You're not. You know, does that make sense? I mean, you're. If I give a rip call, or if I have you five, it's going to end up looking just like mint. And so I I think there's a little disconnect of the. Setting the, setting the three away from the three, the three receivers and things like that you and heavy in that box I mean, you run a mint. You'll run mint, but you won't run mint. But that's where I get confused, going kind of getting on my soapbox about that. But you apex the mic. He's got three. Um, he's got the underneath of three, knowing that he's capped by the free safety. Uh, so all he has to do, and it's the same thing you tell the will, don't move. Uh, you know, you're going to get the B gap closed. If it's too wide, you give a rip call. So, you know, it's automatically closed now. Now you just have to make sure that you hold the edge. You're the outside shoulder of the quarterback if he pulls it. Cause you're going to, you're going to make them go back inside to the, to the, to the inside linebacker. Who's probably going to rock back.
1: And let me so stop you me, coach, real quick. When we're talking about ahead. the front, and this is my fault. uh shitty moderating. <laughs> um, talk to me about how you're setting your front. Um, where you're putting your three technique in, versus trips. So you give the okay. listeners a, a view of that, so to speak.
0: Okay. So you got a, you got a heavy five to the trips. You've got a G which is a two I you've got a three technique and then a five technique to the boundary. So you've built a natural wall. Your, your safety to the boundary is actually what I call the O defender. He's outside. He's the alley defender. He is not responsible for an interior gap. I think that's the biggest difference from guys that are sinking the free safety down and guys that uh, keep him high. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you keep it it like that, he never has to fit the interior. You're always going to force everything. If it goes out in in a quad set like that, if it goes out the front door, man, that's a big bend. He's got to bend it all the way back. He's in the boundary, and now that safety's coming coming back. Now, your wheel linebacker in a four down, is going to be in a zero. And he's again, he's stepping to the A gap. But if the center and typical center is going to step away from the back if it's zone and it's zone away, your G is going to read that center. It's no different than a four eye. The G and the four eye are the same technique. I'm re- I'm just I'm engaging my guy. Okay. The the guy who I'm looking at who's first inside, he's stepping away. I'm going to go close the opposite gap. Um, and so that helps a lot. Um, and so being able to do that, and then you've got your heavy five who closes out the B. You are pretty much gapped out. The wills, the wills fit in the A. You've got the G fitting the other A, and then you've got your your end fitting the B gap there. And that allows that Mike to to what I call hang. He's just hanging. He's just hanging right there. Uh, what ends up happening on the snag wrap? What the quarterback is looking for is the Mike moving forward. Or the mic moving towards the box, and again moving towards the line of scrimmage. I had uh, one of the my favorite players of all time, Bumper Pool. He's a starting linebacker for Arkansas. Um, one of the best linebackers uh, in Texas when he graduated. When he was young, we would get the snag, and he would hit. He would see the the run, and and not even work back to the box, but he would work towards the line of scrimmage. And they would throw the snag behind him, and I kept telling him, "I said, look, if you will just sit right there and just hang and wait for the quarterback to either pull the ball and run to you, or he's going to throw it to you." And so the next game we get later in the season, and and we get to another snag RPO team, and they literally threw him the ball because he didn't move. They kept ex- anticipating him to work towards it, and he and this is when he was young, so I think he was when he was sophomore. Uh, but once he learned that, I. You know, and then again, this year we had a really good Mike Linebacker and he he, he knew I'm just going to sit. I'm not going to move. I'm going to wait for the quarterback to decide what was doing. And then I'm going to go get him. Um, and for me, we don't see much snag. Actually. I know a lot of guys, when they see me line up in stress and they see the under route, they see the under um, or even if it's three down, it's the Okie uh, five shade and a, and a three. You know, they're like, oh, we're going to throw snag all day. OK, that's great. But if the Mike Linebacker doesn't move, you're going to throw it right to him. And I think, again, it goes back to your two-by-two two stuff. Who's the overhang to that to that inside receiver? He can't move. Don't step up. Don't step in. And I think if you do that, you basically eliminate it. And, again, we talked like we talked about, hand the ball off into the box. Let them run the ball.
1: Interesting. That's an interesting way to do it. And so you don't have any issues with that ball cutting back fast and getting in between that end. Um, and that that Mike who's walked out of the box—that's never been an issue for you. So you know the other thing that people say is okay.
0: Well, I'll lock it. You know, go back to his own lock. Like, or I'll pass set the tackle to bring that defensive end up up the field. Again, it goes back to the G being able to close off the opposite A. And if I can close off the opposite A, then that allows that will to rock back again. Going back to if my gap isn't there, then I'm now going to fit the ball and now I'm going to rock back. I mean, there's been times that um at baylor and it and it when i was at lovejoy and we were playing some of this we had smaller interior guys and we're playing some of this kind of fluid front stuff is that mike linebacker literally wouldn't move he'd step to a six inch step he'd he'd see the the g pass him up and then he just stepped with the opposite step now he's working back and the, and the running back would just come right to him um so to me it, it's a full front deal. You got to teach the front. You got to, you got to get out of the one-gap mentality of that it's not going to be a one-gap, you know, and I've talked, to, like I said, I've talked to some guys that, at some high levels that have, you know, this is what they're getting to now. Man, we're running that. That Mike linebacker is just running up into his gap and the back's escaping and we're getting gassed. And, you know, but you're telling that linebacker he's got to hit that gap, even though the gap's already closed. Because that running back, we you, you know this, if the center and the guard are touching each other's shoulders, that's there's not a gap right there. Right. He's not going to miraculously slither through it like a snake. He's going to see that that door's closed. He's going to now find find grass. Well, if you're rocking back and you're you're kind of doing it, kind of like the pin and scrape stuff that you were talking about with uh with like the Patriots and you know all, what the Aranda guys are kind of doing. Um, again, that's that's no different than you know that guy just closed. Like you said, he's closing off both those a gaps you know, I think the Patriots even do it against eleven personnel zone stuff. they they're, they're close that dude. He's closing out those both those A guys. That right. running back isn't just going to eat, or he's going right to run two of them. And so again, not don't get it a lot. Um, if it if at all, uh, not a lot of strong. We we get a lot of it's weird. We get a lot of pass out of quads. We get a lot of run out of weak. Um, and that tends to be the the way that we line up. Again, you're forcing them to run the ball. And you're taking away uh, the pass.
1: Interesting, interesting stuff. Now we kind of talked about. We started talking about zone read bubble, and then I start we start talking about the stick and the snag stuff. Talk to me about how stress fits up on the perimeter uh, versus the zone read bubble. How's your Sam fitting that? In your corner, you know, talk through that for me.
0: The, the key is that Sam has to understand the, what number three is doing. Um, and he has to deepen up enough. You know, I like my Sam, my nickel to be about six yards inside shade of number two. And a lot of people are like, well, you're opening up your two bulk. And you're right. We are. Um, in fact, I did, looking back at the, at the season, we only got like about 41 snaps of true trips. And I think 24 of them were some sort of screen, either a flare screen to the back or a bubble route um the completion rate was high but the the overall efficiency of it of being able to continue to drive was not i mean we're talking about three four yard gains on a a second and seven a second and ten and they're getting in trips now uh getting in a passing formation and they're just throwing the bubble out because it stands inside leverage now at the beginning of the year we weren't and again, that Sam linebacker has to really trust. He can't run upfield. You can't go to where the bubble is. You have to go to where it's going, which is outside. It's supposed to hit outside number two. So if you run upfield, again, it goes back to what you're teaching the mic. Don't work upfield. Work laterally, press the point, work to the outside shoulder and cut him off. Because now you've got a safety fitting in. You've got the mic fitting in. And you probably, because the corner's off, and why when we get to stump, I talk about why I like stump is that now that corner can fold in. So now you basically eliminated two block two blockers with the outside guy and then and then the slot. I think you got to be careful too of are they putting a tight in there? We don't see that much, but are they putting a tight end at two? Are they putting a bigger receiver at two? Um, when we played Alito. Alito's one of the best teams in the country. I mean, they have two receivers, one's a four-star kid, probably going to go to Texas or something, and then the other kid's going oh, just to Utah. And the one that's going to Utah would be is a bulldog, um, and uh, he's a freak. And so, you know, our Sam linebacker, we were like, look, man, if they throw the bubble, you got to go, because if they let number three catch the ball, it's gone. And so being able to close the window and keeping those, even if they do complete it, of keeping those fast guys working east and west and not north and south. And I think that's a key. You know, when you, you've you got to practice, if you're going to run stress, you've got to practice bubble, you know, on a weekly basis because you're going to get it, and you've got to make sure that Sam understands the moment that three steps, I've got to now press the point with two. I got to find out what two's doing. You know, is he running a little snag, and they're trying to trick me? Because that's what you'll get, too. You'll get the little, I call it a, a, a pick. They're trying to pick you with the snag of two in the bubble. And then I just want to sit, you know. I want to read the intentions of two eyes to me. He's blocking me. Eyes away. He's or, or eyes to the quarterback. He's getting the ball. Uh, and so reading the intentions and then kind of working working over top of that.
1: Right, that makes perfect sense. Let's talk about well before we go into Gun Week three by one. Anything else in Gun Strong three by one? You want to talk about things you see, coaching points, anything like that?
0: Yeah, so going back to the going back to the the trip study I did at the end of the year, going back to the whole self scout data and stuff, and looking at the the 24 screens that were thrown. Again, what we were doing is when they weren't throwing a screen, they were so inefficient. I think the completion rate was like 30, 34, or 35. Uh, I think we had eight inter- uh, eight of our 17 interceptions we're at a trip. So over almost half of our interceptions came in trips, And I think that's where we buy a lot in stress is that if you're going to throw the ball, it's going to be really tough. The only way you're going to throw the ball is again, I'm forcing you to throw a negative route. I'm forcing you to throw behind my scrimmage or I'm forcing you to run the ball. And I think that's the, that's the key. I think that's what stress gives to us that nobody else runs it. Uh, So we're unique. And I, you know, I learned that from Bryles. Uh, was that hey, look? We can run what everybody else is running, but we better be the best at it. And if we can't be the best at it, we better be. Let's let's do something different. Let's be different than everybody else. Let's be unique so that people have to work. And I think for me, that's what it, that's what it's always been.
1: Yeah, I think um, I may be misattributing this quote, but I heard that from Rick Darlington, the old Apopka coach in Florida. Single wing guru said, if if you're not better, you got to be different. And I, I really believe in that. And I've held that philosophy close to my heart. Now, let's talk about gun week three by one. Do you get any RPOs out of that or any kind of option stuff or anything where you really have to account for them running the football and throwing the ball down the field?
0: I think the biggest thing is the, the backside glance route, backside post, um, the hitch read if you're going to play off with that guy. And I think that's, again, where split field coverage gives you uh, a better advantage uh, and not stinking the safety down. You know, I heard Aranda speak. He talk. He, he's a guy, he's kind of like, I like Rand. I can get with Rand. You know, I'm not going to sink that safety down. Because the moment I sink that safety down, you're going to throw right behind him. And it puts a lot of stress on that corner. And so for me, is you can play top down if you're going to set the front, the right, and you play the front to fit the back end. If you're going to play top down, You've got to make sure your front matches up. And I, you know, having that conversation with D for the coordinators before of, hey, I want to run split field. I want to keep my safeties at backs high, but then you're not willing to commit to what, the, what it's going to take off the front. Um, you're going to stack to trips. Well, the moment you stack to trips, that outside linebacker that's now stacked is going to work inside with zone read. You've got a D in, you just fall heavy five or he's a four eye, right? he's rubbing he's closing the B and now you got two guys in the B got ain't got anybody, you know, in the C gap because the safety's the O gap. Well, that C turns into the O and next thing you know, the safety's making a tackle 10 yards downfield. Um, so for us, it's been really good because we're not, we're forcing you to throw the fade because that safety is sitting in what I call a post hole. He's got post control right there. He's sitting on, he's sitting on the hash or sitting on the tackle and he's just holding his water at 10 yards. Um, Trey Haverty spoke this weekend, talked about, you know, where do routes tend to break off? They tend to break off at 10 yards. Well, if I'm I got my safety sitting at 10 yards, by the time that receiver's gotten to 10 yards, um, he, he knows, man, it's either a fade because I got an outside release, or he's he's running a post because he's trying to stem inside. He's really trying to lean on that corner and try and try and dig him out. So for me, it's like, man, you can almost play, you can play it just in sky. We call it sky. Uh, which is our our horse call, um, and you can just play them from the top down that way. Um, I'll never forget first year I was a defense coordinator at Berkner in 2014, and we're running stress to the field, and we're running we're running sky week and we we would just get stretch and zone read all day to the boundary, and they couldn't figure out. I think my backside safety ended up with like 10 tackles because so they just they would keep it. It would bounce it would bounce front door if it was quads or the quarterback would pull it. next thing you know, either the DN, the DN's making a tackle or the, or the safety's cleaning him up at two, three yards. Cause he's reading, he's reading the mesh. So for me, you know, this year we saw the post, uh, but keeping two guys back there, it really inhibits a lot of what they can do backside.
1: Yeah. That's, I mean, we played um, versus two by one. We played some of the TCU cover three stuff where they slid the backers in the box or rather, they slid the strong safety in the box and brought the free safety to the field down, and took the weak safety to the middle third. But the coaching point, you know, was sit back on that X so they can't they can't just throw that post and then on the snap of the ball open up and run. And you'll see those guys; they teach it differently. A lot of people will cheat to the middle and then backpedal. They'll on the snap of the ball open at a 45 degree angle, and if the quarterback's looking front side to the field they'll just stay in that 45. I've seen their guys start on a ghost tight end to the split end side and make a play on the opposite hash because they're just staying or stay in that angle of departure. But it really denies that backside X, you know, glance. And I think you guys, the, the Bryle system, especially in the 2014 game, were you there in 2014?
0: No, I, was, I That was a year. Uh, that was a year after I had left. But
1: the twenty fourteen well. game where he got in, a, in a wide off and just read the backside because for so long people slid the linebacker strong. They brought the weak safety down. At first it was disguise on the snap, and then people started reading it post snap. And you, they really wore TCU out. And the next year, all of a sudden, they're running a lot more. Shove the backers in the box. We keep that weak safety high. To deny that easy read and then go on the snap of the ball if the quarterback's not looking over there. So I definitely, definitely, definitely see the benefits of that.
0: And I think what you gotta do with that outside linebacker, if you're in a three, four or you're in a four down with the with the five technique to the three, to the three technique, so to the X receiver is let him take a step outside and really be able to wall build the wall so that Three safety doesn't feel like you necessarily have to fit right now, even with the back to you. Um, to me is you're getting a couple of things. If the back is to the weak side, you're getting zone read. Or you're getting, uh, if they're going to throw an RPO, it's going to be a hit because your corner is off at like 10 yards. Cause you're so afraid of the fade because it's some dominant X. But I think again, you can help yourself by keeping that free safety there. Let that corner be a little bit more aggressive. Because if something doesn't go right, all he has to do is just, I just got to make sure I play the save. Because if I I have post, I got post help. Um, And then the other thing that that we would get is something going back strong. I mean, we never never really get when they're sending that back there. The only thing that you got to worry about is the slant wheel. And to me, I'm going to know, or even the post wheel. And if you're going to do that, or that's even in the playbook, we can play, we can treat that running back like a cover two, and, and, and we can play it like empty. And so for me, it's knowing what they're going to do when the back is weak, I think is important. That's why you got to make sure that you're differentiating it and you're, you, that backside safety understands the difference between when the back is strong and when the back is weak and what routes you're going to get. Because to me, back strong, quads, you're getting more RPOs you're getting the vertical play action pass game. Um, they want you to kick coverage that way. Uh, so they're going to attack you running weak or they're going to attack the X. If the back's weak, they're looking rub routes between X and the and the A, or they're running zone read, you know, if you're kicking the safety. So to me, it's understanding what they're doing with the back and trips is really going to be the key to what you, what you need to, to defend.
1: Yep. No, can't agree more on that stuff. All right, after the break, we're going to get into the Y off formations and how to defend those and keep gap integrity while defending the RPOs. Welcome back. So we're going to talk about Y off two by two and three by one. So let's talk two by two first. Cody, uh, kind of tell me about your philosophy and how you defend that stuff.
0: I think the first thing you got to do is you got to decide is the tight end going to move? Is he, are they running uh, counter? Are they running slice, which is kind of that arc read, but he's coming across and running. So why are, why, you know, why is he not to the, to the two receiver side? Um, do you treat it like a tight end on the ball? Cause I've done that before, or do you treat him like a two back? And I think you gotta, you gotta figure out what kind of run plays and then defend that off of that. Um, I think, Two is is how many times are they really going to throw to the tight end? I um, found that out this year. Got a sophomore safety. We're playing Alito. They put the tight end to the boundary. They put their four star as a Z. I'm trying to yell out to my sophomore safety. They're going to run a post, double the post, because uh, they they don't throw to the tight end. The tight end runs a ten yard. I mean, it's, it's straight out of the playbook. Run the run the tight end ten yard sit run the post form opens up instead of staying square doesn't zone turn uh, our center field turn back inside safety takes the tight end and so you got to understand too like you got to be able to what are they who are they trying to target and and using your backers to sit underneath stuff or using and being able to double the guy Because usually what they're trying to do and, and like we talked about is they want you to to move a guy towards the tight end or lock the guy on a tight end because a lot of a lot of guys are gonna run basically what I call four lock. They're gonna they're gonna lock the tight the tight end on with the back with the safety and they're gonna lock the corner on on the the receiver. And so now that they know they've got a one on one. I mean it was again going back to Brawl, I mean that's what that's what a lot of these wide off teams are trying to do in terms of the the RPO game. And then the moment that you over pursue with your safety, that's when you're going to get the Y pop. And so for me, it's always being cognizant of is the guy a pass catcher or is he a glorified route runner? Um, you know, against Alito, the guy was a glorified route runner. He wasn't catching the ball. But against a team like we played uh, a team, Cleburne, they had an H-back and that dude would catch the ball. Well, we had to know where he was at all times. Um, and, and they would pop, they would go wide pop. And so uh, alpha play action. So we had to be cognizant of that and be able to say, okay, can we handle outside the outside receiver with our corner, or do we need do we need to kind of manipulate the coverage or, or do something with the linebacker so that we can kind of bang on that guy? Uh, so for for me, that's what you've got to really understand: is what's the run game looking like, and then what kind of what kind of tight end do they have? What
1: about three by one?
0: You know, three by one is where you get in again, you know, are you going to poach it with the backside safety, uh, treat it like Trey? Um, how, how aggressive are you going to be to that? Or uh, why are they getting into trips? You know, a lot of guys react to trips, especially with a Y off that, you know, they're going to do some things differently than they would if he was on, you know, if he was on the other side. And so you've got to really be cognizant of what, what they're trying to do, you know, because, to me, why off really stresses you because now you can't run your split field stuff because the splits are too wide. You can't ask, you know, if you're running stump, you can't ask your your safety to be on top of the tight end and then also be on the vertical or number two. Uh, so for me, you've got, you, you now have to treat it almost like a two back and be cognizant of that guy. And, and what we do is is we, we have that we use that backside safety much like trips and and we, we kind of read read the is is the tight end going vertical or does he block down or does he come across and then kind of reading the tight end but staying off of staying high and coming down and working down to cap the fit. That's that to me has been uh, important for us versus the the two back stuff is understanding that.
1: Gotcha. Anything else you want to add with defending the the sniffer? why off stuff.
0: Yeah, if you've got a backside corner that's a bulldog, like we had, we, we had one this year, um, and I've, I've been able to, lucky enough to have a good one. And the boundary is that you can start following that safety with them. Uh, that's a big thing down here in Texas. The KD system does it, uh, where they'll take they'll take them basically the what most people call the boundary safety, and they call he just follows. He, he's the free safety. He just kind of, or the follow safety. He follows the tight end. He follows number three, and that's where he goes. And so kind of sitting that guy on top of him, kind of that Iowa State stuff. Um, but you don't have to do that if in a traditional sense. Like if you've got a good boundary corner, you know, you can have that guy kind of follow the 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 sniffer, and it, and it allows you to keep your three over two coverage on the two speed. But then you've got a guy who's going to fit off of, um that H back and you don't have to necessarily do it right on top of him because if you're afraid he oh he's not gonna get all the way back or the fits are gonna be messed up. You could sit him in the middle of the the middle of the formation and just read it. He just has to be able to get to the Y pop. I think mean, that's that's the most important thing.
1: Right. Is that kinda like the Don Brown travel stuff you've written about? Kind of, but not as aggressive. Um, I
0: don't think that you have to necessarily like be super aggressive. He's going to be at six yards man. He's got a man. He's got man to man, and we're going to single guy fit the box because he's going to be the extra guy to the outside. Um, I think you can do it from a two high scheme, uh, but you just that he's now the safety is now responsible for uh, the h back if he goes vertical. So basically, essentially, you're treating it like a, a solo. Or like if most people base out a tray, they're gonna kick that guy over there. Um, just be cognizant of where the back is with that too. I think the back with it, you know, are they in a in a slant? Are they opposite each other? Are they in stack? I think guys, you know, we were, had teams where if they got in a stack, we knew what we we were gonna get. And then if they were split, we knew what we were gonna get. And so basing a game plan off of the backfield is kind of what I do when I get a YL situation.
1: Yeah, we do the same thing where we'll, we'll, and I talked about this on a couple pods ago where we'll look at the situation when they're stacked, um, whether it's to the twins or to the one receiver when they're split, whether it's you know the, the owl, or we call them an owl, or the sniffer, or the Y is to the twins or to the one receiver, and we kind of split everything up. So we do a hit chart where we take every formation as its own Then we stack the backs, we put in weak, and then we look at formations regardless of back sets, like three by one, two by two, the shells, and that's where we try, we do a hit chart for each of those and break it apart and try to see which has the most tendencies, and then that's when we control that down. That's how we'll defend that team, and it takes some extra time, but it really, you know, we've played teams where the back set rules whether we played a team a few years ago, that if they were stacked, they were getting counter and power. you know, no matter where, no matter where, if they were both weak, there was a chance to maybe get a little jet sweep. Um, if they were split, um, it was going to be zone slice or kick or whatever you want to call it. We call it peel. And then if they go around the bluff, the end and go around the back we call it slice. Um, so, you know, breaking that apart, Doing multiple hit charts will help you understand what the offense is trying to do, and then your plan of attack. Do we set it? You know, we've defended that stuff where we've we've set the front to the tailback. We've defended that stuff where we've sent it to the sniffer, and then we've defended that stuff, especially if we're going to play three D, and we're going to shove the the strong safety in the box. We just defended. We, we've we've put the front to the to the passing strength or away from the passing strength. That way. We're fib proof. We're more fib proof than if we just say, "Hey, we're going to play in the field." So that's right. And I think stuff. I
0: hundred percent agree with you that when they go wide off, it, it's now predicated on, you know, here's what I, I look at it: is, you know what you're going to do to the two receivers. That that you kind of everybody has a sense of what we're going to do to the two receivers. Okay, you're going to remove, you're going to move the sand from the bike. You're going to play three over two. You got that. Now what am I gonna do in the box? What how am I gonna see that tight end? Am I gonna are they doing a bunch of option stuff and I want the quarterback to carry the ball? So okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna set the front away so that way we can get the the end really crashing down on the dive and we can we can force that quarterback to pull it. You know, how are we fitting the mic off of that and, you know, getting the snap back? You know, how aggressive are we gonna do? You know, I think I think you're right. You gotta you gotta with two back, especially. You know how are they how are they trying to run it and then the RPOs off of it what are they doing because what I see a lot of times out of two back is it's more play action and it's more or less like using that they're looking at the say the backside safety leverage is he cheating over to the three by one because we've got the Y over there okay let's throw backside is he is he staying at home okay let's throw the Y pot uh, and and you know really understand how you align is going to dictate the plays that you're going to get with the, with the two back stuff.
1: Absolutely. And, and, and staying in a step ahead with that and saying, okay, well, you know, this is what we're going to do to react. Uh, you know, we're going to set traps. I think my PSA for defensive coordinators this week, well, I guess my second one is don't let these guys you know, if you listen to them too much, you'll think that nothing you do is going to matter. <laughs> They're just going to get you by the ass, no matter what you do. Don't let them Don't let the bastards. Uh, what is it? Don't let the bastards get you down. That's the quote. Run. Um. Don't you know? Don't let them talk you out of disguising and doing stuff because it's clinic season. So I know what's going on. It was just a part of it this past weekend. You're talking shop with your your buddies on the offensive side of the ball. And they got an answer for everything, you know, and and sometimes you just feel, you know, a little overwhelmed. Like, well, geez, I guess, I guess it doesn't really matter what we do. I guess we just got to cross our fingers and hope everything works out. And I I just, I just don't think that's true. So make it work for it. All right. My last question for you for this episode is, and I know we're talking split safety, but what are some of your favorite change-ups? Give me your favorite. Let's do this. Favorite two by two change up for RPO, three by one change up and why off change up.
0: Um, favorite two by two is uh, to basically blitz five. Uh, and what we do, and I think it's different than most, uh, is we play a lot of half field zone. So we will play, we will play, um, we will play zone away, and we'll play man two. And it matches perfectly with our quarters coverage, uh, and they can't teams can't figure out if we're bluffing the blitz or if if we're coming or not. And what uh, it's it's really done a number for us because it's it's a safe rundown blitz. Um, a lot of times if you're blitzing to the back, they're gonna throw the bubble or they're gonna throw a. a a pass right to a safety that's basically inches away from the guy by the time the the ball is snapped, uh, especially if you've got a really good safety that can tackle putting him in. Hey, we know we're going to get this, uh, and, and forcing that or the quarterback panics, just hands the ball off. Uh, so five down pressures have been really good for us, uh, to the two by two stuff. Uh, for me, that's, that's kind of been the, the good one uh, for three by one is running some stump. I know, we didn't necessarily cover it in depth. We talked about it, but we didn't cover it in depth. The stump, to me, is a great compliment to stress because it's almost the exact – you can play the exact same. You've just now taken the nickel and moved them outside. And it really it, – teams that want to run the bubble, um, now you've taken that away. Uh, they can't run the bubble. Now they've got to run they're – they're trying to run rub routes or they're going to have to run the snag um, or they're going to have to try and run a vertical – uh, with the nickel outside, you know, the, basically the stump beater stuff of running kind of the, the post or the vendor by two uh, away from the nickel leverage. And again, you're, you're working kind of into that high safety sitting on the hash, especially if they run, you know, especially if they just run a little snag and then they're trying to run that safety. And what I always tell my safeties too, and I think this has been a big thing for them is if, if those, those stick routes are by the backers. If the backers are doing their job and they're just kind of sitting underneath of that, that's closed. That's closed, meaning that they're covered. If they're naked, you can sit on it because you don't want to give a naked, you don't, you don't ever want to leave a naked route open. Um, but that's kind of helped us on some of those stump beaters and stress beaters of trying to run back to the hash uh, or isolate the nickel. Um, so a good change up for that coverage-wise has been, has been stumped. Um, I think cone in playing uh, what we call cone uh, it's kind of the same deal you know let that corner really play the fade route uh, if you know you're going to get it let that corner really just kind of outside leverage play the fade route that safety's looking at that safety's looking at X if X goes outside release right away he now can snap his eyes back inside and help out that's kind of been a nice little change up backside um, for us. Uh, and then playing the back like a, a receiver, playing the back like empty. If they're going to go fi- you know, five-man protection and release the back every time and they're re- you're getting killed on the slant wheel or the slant, the slant flare, play it like a cover too. Play it like empty. If they're going to release that guy, I mean, technically it is empty. they got five guys out on, on a route. So you know, being able to play that a little bit to me. And then obviously I think line movement in anything is key. Is forcing them forcing them to uh, either pull the ball into cut in the guys that are rocking back you know you know feed that zone go with the motion into the zone you know cutting everything off that quarterback pulls it because the end disappears and next thing you know he's got the, the you know everybody rocks back and and that mic's sitting there in two by two waiting for him or the wheel and the mic are sitting for him in, in, in a, a three by one uh, those are always good, and then obviously changing the gas up on them and the reeds and 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 doing things like that. Those those would be the change ups to those. Simple and effective.
1: I like simple and effective. All right, coach. Anything else you you want to add? No, I, I I think that if it, you know, no,
0: I don't you we all live in different realities and we all live in different regions. And that's kind of, what's the beauty about this, this sport is that we all see different things here in Texas. Um, it's, there's not a lot of guys running cover three. And the reason why is just because we get so much, the quarterbacks here are just so good. Uh, we have really good running backs too. And so, you know, we kind of have to play everything. It's more of a college game, especially at the five, a six a level, which, which I'm used to. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I always tell guys if you have the dudes, do it. Run, run cover three, run cover one, man them up. Of course, man solves everything. Um, but it's cat coverage and it's your cat against their cat. And if you can win that, it be more power to you. You know, I've been blessed with having uh, really good guys in the secondary. We've been able to play a little bit more man. We've been able to play some, you know, things for us, but find what works for you. Um, we got, we totally scrapped cover three. Uh, This year, because we just weren't good at it, because that's not what we do. Uh, And you need to to force yourself to be anything. But I do think you have to uh, recognize the value in other people uh, and what they're doing. Uh, You know, I, you know, I tell guys all the time, I don't run cover three, but I get into cover three looks. You know, there's probably times that you're watching film, if you're watching film and you're like, it looks like cover three to me. It's just a different way of looking at it, but from a quarter's perspective instead of a cover three perspective. Um, And I think it's just important for us, especially on the defensive ball, side of the ball to understand that we're all in different regions. We're all seeing different things. Uh, And so what may be important for you may not be important for me. Like when we go, like we talk about it, three by one, I don't see the zone read snag. Like I, I don't see it. I don't worry about it. That's not what I worry about. I don't, I, you know, we make sure that we rep it, and we make sure that we know it. Um, but I'm not going to spend a, a whole period repping it, or I'm not going to stay up at night thinking, "Oh man, if they get in quads, they're, they're going to hit the snag all night long." Um, so for me, you know, I, I always go by, "You got to defend way see, but ha- but always be cognizant of what what they're going to do by the way that you line up, and know the weaknesses in your own defense."
1: Yeah, that's the most important thing. Know the weaknesses and then know how to fix them. I've been preaching that forever, and I'm not, I'm not the only one. I just, you know, a defense is only as good as you know how to fix it. And having those answers at a time, you know, accelerates the the time that the offense has a chance to take advantage of whatever they're doing in the game against you. Well, Coach, I appreciate your time. Go ahead and plug your Twitter and your blog and your books for uh, the audience.
0: So you can find me um, at matchquarters.com. You can find me on Twitter at the underscore coach underscore A. I've got three books on Amazon. I've got Cautious Aggression, which talks about defensive structure. It's more of a four-down book. I have a book hybrids my second book which talks about the evolution of defense of kind of how we've got here where we're going and then my latest book that i released uh last november is kind of my uh my project my three-year project of working in midlothian and basically building a, a secondary from scratch and then kind of writing it all down how to teach it and it's more of a guidebook of hey i need this coverage how do i teach it quickly what, are, what am I going to get from the offense when I do run it? And then what are some tags to run off of it to kind of change it up? Because you always need change-ups. Um, so you can find those on Amazon. Uh, there's a link, obviously, on my Twitter Twitter page and then on matchquarters.com as well.
1: Coach, I appreciate you. Thanks for coming on, and thanks for fighting the uh, good fight with split safety defense. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Make Defense Great Again. Thank you to Cody Alexander for coming on the show and talking about split safety, RPO, defense. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, at Coach Fast, or the show's account, at MDGA Podcast. Check out my website, www.coachfast.com, where you can see various articles I've done, as well as links to getting in touch with me about consulting. Be on the lookout for my CoachTube series, based on the clinics I did this last weekend in San Francisco, developing a third down coverage package, developing a third down pressure package, and defending RPOs out of one and two high. Lastly, you can go to the GoFundMe page for my mother's end-of-life expenses by going to GoFundMe.com slash Veronica Vassar. That's V-E-R-O-N-I-C-A V-A-S-S-E-U-R. And as always, never forget that the quarterback can't see with tears in his eyes.